We're going to read about this covenant. In the third month, it says, When the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. Verse 3 says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Verse 4, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Verse 5, very important, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. God is offering a covenant to the Israelites here. He's saying, Moses, come up here. They're camped. At the base of Mount Sinai, as they're traveling through the wilderness, God's already taken them out of the the land of Egypt, taken them out of slavery, did the great signs and the wonders. God says, you saw all that stuff, Moses. Now here's what I want you to do, Moses. I'm going to create a covenant with you. I want you to go and tell the people this. So Moses is there listening. He's up on the mountain. He's going to come down, and he's going to tell the people this, that God is making a covenant with his chosen people. All right, well, first off, I told you covenant's going to be our buzzword. What does, does covenant mean? Covenant is almost it's like a contract, if you will. It's, a, it's a, a solemn binding agreement. Okay, really, that's between two parties. And in this context, it is a covenant between God, God the Creator, Jehovah, and the Israelites, His chosen people. Okay, that's who the, the agreement is between. God and the Israelites. It is an agreement between God and his people. A binding contract between God and his people. Now, why is God making a covenant with them? Because God is trying to find a way to bond with his people. He's trying to find a way that he can dwell with his people and be with his people. Because God just can't partner up with evil. He can't. God is pure good. All, only goodness and righteousness emanates from God. He cannot throw his arm around a people that is sinful. So God's saying, let me create this covenant so that I can be with you. This is God's attempt at being with people, at being with humanity. Okay, It's his attempt to have a relationship with mankind. That's why he's creating. That's why he's offering this covenant to Moses to go down and tell the people. Now, there are other covenants in the Bible. You know, if, if you like to look through the Bible, there's, there's a covenant with Noah. There's a covenant with Abraham. There's a covenant with Moses that we're talking about today. There's a covenant with David, King David. And there's also what's called the New Covenant. So there's five different covenants really in the Bible you can study on your own someday. But today, we're just going to look at really this one Mosaic Covenant, it's called. Because obviously Moses is the leader here. It's called the Mosaic Covenant. Okay, a little bit of theology here for you this morning. How many of you know theology is good for you? Theology is good for a church to study God, to learn about God, who he is, what his nature is. We need to to continue with theology. In, In this covenant, okay, God, remember we're talking about the Mosaic covenant this morning. God gives a list of laws to his people, okay? And this list of laws that he gives in this covenant They come with promises, 
Okay, well, we're not going to go over them all, but God kind of says a lot of times, you can read through the Old Testament yourself, but you know, kind of things like, if you obey this commandment, then this good will come upon you. You know, if you obey this statute, I'll cause this good to come upon you. If you obey these precepts, if you obey my commandments, then I will cause you to prosper. I'll cause you to be a prosperous people. My blessing will rest upon you. If you stick to the contract, I will keep my hand over you, is, is really what this covenant is saying. I'll give you goodly houses. My blessing will rest upon you. You'll be a prosperous nation. Just stick to the covenant. Very simple. Very easy to understand. Now, if we continue on in Exodus where we left off, the people, remember, God is offering this to the people. He's saying, hey, I am willing. I want to be with you. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to dwell with you. Let's make this covenant. Here, here's what I'm offering to you. Will you make this covenant? So Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and he says, hey, here's what God says. And let's see what the people say. Exodus chapter 19, verse 7 says, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. Listen to verse 8, very important. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So Moses goes down, he says, Hey, everyone, nation of Israel, gather up. All you elders, gather up. Leaders, gather up. Here's what God's saying. He wants to strike this covenant with us. He wants to be with us. He, he's asking us if we want to be a special nation unto him, blessed above all the people of the earth. He, he's willing to do that. What do you guys say? And they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So in other words, they're saying, yes, Lord, we will strike this agreement with you. We will enter into this contract with you is what these people are saying. They're saying, agreed. They're saying, Deal. It's a deal. More or less, they're reaching up and they're shaking hands with God and they're saying, God, we will enter into this covenant with you. We like the terms. We like what you said. We want your blessing. Therefore, we adhere to the terms of the agreement. Yes, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They agree to it. So the Lord calls Moses back up to Mount Sinai. So Moses goes back up and he says, Lord, they said yes. Well, God, how many of you know God is infinitely wise? God takes it upon himself to write down everything in this contract. Well, has anyone ever had a, an agreement with a company or a friend or something that it wasn't in writing? What goes, what goes wrong nearly every single time when there's an agreement and it's not in writing? Something always goes wrong, doesn't it? Well, well you said that the terms of financing were six months. No, we didn't. We said this. It's 12 months. Well, you said it was. It always ends up in a fight. So God has the knowledge to say, hmm, you guys said yes. I'll go ahead and write all this down so that there's no confusion at all. In other words, God writes down the contract and he gives it to Moses. Now, the contract that he gives to Moses is better known as the Ten Commandments. That's what God writes down with his finger on these tablets of stone, and he hands it to Moses, and he says, Here, this is what you got to obey, and I'll do everything I said. All my promises are yea and amen. You will be blessed. You will be prosperous. There will be no one that can come and defeat you. You'll be peaceful. You'll have good homes. Everything will be prosperous and good. But here's your end. He writes it down and hands it to him. It's called the Ten Commandments. Now, 
if you're into your Bible at all, you'll know that God also lists out a whole bunch of other uh, uh, civil laws and ceremonial laws and ordinances. You can read them for yourselves in subsequent chapters of Exodus, chapters 21 through 24. If you ever read them, there's all kind of laws talking about uh, servitude, servanthood, um, strangers that, land, that live with the Israelites. All kinds of little laws that tell them how to deal with livestock and just all kinds of little things. How to deal with the poor and so on and so forth. You can read about them. We'll just concern ourselves today with the Ten Commandments to, to kind of simplify things. Now, we're going to skip to the book of Deuteronomy now. Stick with me now. All this has a point, okay? It's not just a history lesson. You skip to the book of Deuteronomy, the, the fifth book of Moses, it's called. The last book of what is called the Torah. Now, even though I don't want anyone to get confused, yes, we're skipping to a different book. Uh, the Bible's not chronological, okay? So when we go to Deuteronomy, it's still the same author, still Moses writing. It's still really the same time frame, okay? Don't be confused. Deuteronomy is... It is just a book, really, where Moses comes to the people of Israel and he is reminding them things. If you ever read through Deuteronomy, it's really a one great big giant speech from Moses. Okay, And he, they remember things, they, they go back and they talk. Moses reminds them of uh, the exodus, of how God brought them out of captivity. That's what Deuteronomy is all about about what he brought them through, and he reminds them of all God's laws, all the things God requests. And in that speech, in the book of Deuteronomy, he reminds the people of the covenant that they struck with God. And he reminds them of the Ten Commandments. Okay, we'll, we'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep them and do them. Verse 2, listen now, it says, The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Now, don't be confused that it says in Horeb. I just read moments ago, Exodus said Sinai. Really, it's one in the same place, that one big mountain. It was called Mount Sinai, but that they also refer to it as Horeb in Hebrew because that means fire or glowing or something because if you remember you look through exodus on your own someday you'll see that when god met with moses on mount sinai the thing caught on fire so mount horeb mount sinai same place verse two again the lord our god made a covenant with us in horeb verse three says the lord made not this covenant with our fathers but with us even us who are all of us here alive this day the lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire and went, up, and went not up into the mountain. We'll quit reading there. But, so God's people here at this point in Deuteronomy, they're wanting to cross over Jordan into the promised land. But, but Moses says, hey, ha hang on everyone, hang on, wait a minute. Before we cross over into Jordan, we need to remember some things that, that God spoke to us. We need to remember this covenant. We need to remember the agreement that we made with God. So this is a speech that Moses is making to, his, to the people of Israel. Remember, we entered into a binding contract with the Lord. You remember that God offered that covenant thingy, and you guys said yes to it, is more or less what Moses is saying. Okay? 
And, and here's what he says. You, you can read if you want to, but I'll, I'm going to uh, paraphrase it really quickly. Moses says, hey, you guys entered into this contract thing with God. Oh, and by the way, here's what it said. It says, don't have any other gods before me. Remember? Don't take any, or don't make any graven images. Don't take my name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. I'll honor your mother and your father. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet. What do we call that? Ten Commandments. So they're wanting to enter into the promised land. And Moses says, oh, hang on everyone. Hang on. Wait a minute. Do you guys remember a little while back, I brought all of you together. And I said, hey, God wants to dwell with us. He wants to bless us. He wants to be with us. And you guys said yes. I called all of you. You, you said yes. All those things we will, the Lord has commanded, we will do. And then Moses says, here's what you agreed to. He gives them the Ten Commandments again. And Moses says, I'm just reminding you that because we're wanting to go over to the promised land. And it's this warning because God knows. God had Moses warned because God knows. When he blesses us and gives us goodly things and, and prospers us, what do we do? We all kick back and relax. And over time we think, I did this. My, my, my intelligence, my ability, my strength, I did all this. So God's saying, hey, Moses, remind them of what they agreed to. We all agreed upon this covenant. And all, both parties said yes. So he's reminding them. Now, let's pause there just for a minute. I don't know about you guys, but I love the law of God. I love the law of God. I started out this by saying so many people disregard the Old Testament. I'll never, ever, ever disregard the Old Testament. God has given us the Old Testament. He has given us the Old Testament to learn from it. And I love God's word. I love God's law. I love going back and looking at him and trying to understand it and make sense out of it. I think King David captured some of the way that many of us feel. Because I know there's a lot of you that love God's law also. Listen to what King David says in Psalms 119, the, the longest chapter in the Bible. King David wrote this in verse 97. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Anyone feel like that? I love the law of God. Verse 98 says, Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. Listen, verse 100 says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Do you see what David is saying? He's saying that the law has kept him. He says that the law has made him wise. He says that looking into God's laws, looking into his commandments, observing and looking at this covenant contract that he made has imparted wisdom to him. And he loves his law. God's law has given him understanding that far surpasses other people. Brothers and sisters, that's what God's word will do to you. You understand that? You, you can be dumb as a box of rocks and then start saying, you know what? I'm going to see what this thing is trying to say to me. And you start looking through it. Guess what? After a little while, you'll start becoming wise. That's what it does to you. David goes on to say in verse 113 he says I hate vain thoughts but thy law do I love thou art my hiding place in my shield I hope in thy word depart from me ye evildoers David says for I will keep the commandments of my God 
You, you can see very clearly how David loves the law of God. You know, I believe if you're a true born-again Christian, you will love the law of God. You'll love the Ten Commandments. They won't be burdensome or grievous. You'll love them. If you love God, you'll love His commandments. They won't be a big giant list of burdensome rules to you. They won't be overbearing to you. You'll love them. You'll want to keep them. You'll have a desire to keep God's law. I think it's very clear, and David, David says exactly how we feel when we truly love God's law. Now, let me get to the point of what I'm getting at this morning. There's one big, giant, glaring problem with the Mosaic Covenant. There, this contract that God struck between himself and his people has one fatal flaw. The problem is... The Israelites can't keep it. They cannot keep the covenant. So help them, they cannot keep their end of the agreement. They cannot. They cannot help but break the covenant between God and themselves. They can't hold their end up of the deal. They cannot do it. As a matter of fact, they keep breaking the contract over and over and over and over and over again. They can't do it. They cannot. It is impossible for them. Ironically, as Moses is up on the mountain, actually God calls Moses back up. And, and God says, okay. Remember, Moses says, God, they said yes. They said, everything that you said, we will do. So God says, okay, great. On to the next phase then. He writes down his Ten Commandments. Moses says, okay. So then God calls Moses back up and says, Moses, come back up. And, and God, you know, like I said, you can read all this stuff for yourself in Exodus if you want to study it for yourself someday. But God says, Moses, come back up. And God begins to give these instructions on how to build a tabernacle and how to build all the instrumentation in the tabernacle. Actually, God is very, very detailed, very, very precise with all this stuff. As God calls Moses back up there, because if you remember, why is he even given these instructions to make a tabernacle? It's so that the presence of God can come down and dwell with his people. I find it ironic that as they just agreed to this covenant, they just agreed to this solemn binding contract, God calls Moses back up. He's giving him these instructions on how to build the, the Old Testament tabernacle system. Ironically, at the time that God is giving these instructions to Moses, the people who just said, all that the Lord has commanded, we will do, they are fashioning a golden calf. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1 says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as, as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke off the golden earrings which are in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which bought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Isn't that ironic? Moses is up on Mount Sinai 
which is on fire from the presence of God, and he is up there a good while with God. God's instructing him how to build this tabernacle because God wants to be with his people. And God says, uh, Moses, uh, I know they agreed, but you might want to get down there because your people are corrupting themselves. So he comes down, and these people, while Moses was gone, they're like, hey, we don't even know where he's been. Now, mind you, these people saw the wonders of God. They saw water turn into blood. They saw frogs overtake. They saw flies. They saw lice. They saw darkness. They saw the angel of death come. They saw it all firsthand. They saw this. They, were, they saw the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. They saw God do these things. They saw the, the pillar of fire. They saw the cloud that led them through the wilderness. They saw all that stuff. Moses disappears for a little while, and they're like, uh, hey, Aaron, come here. Make us a golden calf. And, and look what Aaron says. He makes this golden calf and says, uh, these are your gods now. They're the ones that deliver you out of the hands of the Egyptians. They, they, they just formed, they just entered into the contract, and they're in violation of it already. They couldn't keep it a day. It, it, the ink hadn't even dried yet, and they're worshiping a golden calf. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. They violated it already. Now, breaking God's covenant never results in something good. Never results. Read through the Old Testament. Never brings about something good. There ended up being a, a small war. You know, they, they, there was infighting. Lots of people were died. Lots of people, the, the children of God, died all because of the violation of that covenant. Now, okay, let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, they were just regular people like us. Maybe they slipped up. Maybe they made a mistake. Let, let's cut them a break. Let's give them a benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't fully understand the covenant or what they signed or what they got themselves into. So let's cut them a break, all right? Well, time goes on. And they come up against this people group called the Amorites. Pastor Joe actually preached about this just like a month or so ago. Maybe two months ago. It's, you can read this for yourself in Numbers chapter 13. We're, we're not going to go there, but that talks more in detail about these people. Deuteronomy, we'll, we'll read in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 26. Okay, so remember... What is Deuteronomy again? Let's ask ourselves. Deuteronomy is the speech that Moses is giving to his people before they go over into the promised land. So Moses is reminding them. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 26. And remember, they're already made this golden calf, violated the contract. Verse 26 says, Notwithstanding ye would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whether shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged us, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The city are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there, these, these giant-like dudes. And, and I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goes before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in the land of Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man does bear his son in all the way that you went 
until you came unto this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. So in their travels, they came up against this people, the Amorites. And there was these really tough giants. The sons of Anak lived with them. These giants, these race of giants that were there. And they become afraid. And if you remember, Pastor Joe spoke on this a few uh, like a month ago, and they sent the, the spies out, and the spies come back and said, it's lost, there's no way, they're big and they're tough. And, and look at the exaggeration that the people of God are saying. And remember, they had just signed this covenant with God. God said, man, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. I'll bless you. You just have to adhere to, to my end of the agreement. Here's these Ten Commandments. You obey them, I'll take care. You don't have to worry about the, the Amorites. You don't have to worry about any people group. You don't have to worry about any of that. Look at the way they're exaggerating. Oh, God hates us, they're saying. Oh, he hates us. He should have left us in Egypt, they're saying. He actually says their walls went clear up to heaven. They're exaggerating. Oh, their, their, their cities are so big, the walls go clear up to heaven. This is a people, again, finding some, themselves in violation of the contract they just agreed to. All the things the Lord has commanded, we will do. Moses is saying, hey, um, hold on, before you go to the promised land, do you remember when we come up against the, the Amorites, the sons of Anak? Do you remember when we come up against all them people? And all of you said, oh, it's lost, the battle's lost, no way, we can't be delivered, we're destroyed, God hates us, their cities are too powerful. Moses is saying, uh, wait a minute, you all signed this agreement that you would trust God, that you would make Him be your God, there be no other gods. Now, for that violation, God rejected that entire generation from passing over into the promised land. Maybe only Caleb and maybe Joshua were the only ones in that entire generation that could enter into the promised land. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to be redundant. I, I could stay up here for eight, nine, ten hours and go through examples all throughout the Old Testament of how the Israelites, God's people who signed this contract, violate the contract over and over and over again. If you've spent any time in the Old Testament, that's really what it is. It is a story that follows the people of God who violate the things that God says, all his commandments, all his statutes, all his precepts. They violate them over and over and over and over. That's pretty much what the Old Testament is. I'm not going to be redundant and give you all these examples, but I'll let you read through Judges. Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, and you come to your own conclusion and see if the people could follow their end of the deal or not. They can't. They continually violate the contract. The Bible says things like, and this particular king did that which was right in his own eyes, or this person did which was right in their own eyes. Or it might say something like, and this king hearkened not unto the word of the Lord. It's in there, I don't know how many times, dozens and dozens of times. There would be a new leader, wouldn't listen to anything God had to say. He would do what he wanted. There would be a new judge, he'd do what he wanted. That's what the Old Testament is. They can't keep the Mosaic Covenant. They continually violated the contract that they had with God. Time goes on, and they pretty much become destroyed as a nation. The Jerusalem is sacked, their precious temple... That Solomon built is destroyed, the people are enslaved, and everything's ruined, and there's a prophet that rises up named Jeremiah. 
Now, Jeremiah speaks out about the covenant that's being violated. He, Jeremiah, actually yells out the elephant in the room. These people are ignoring God, not obeying God. They've thrown his word off the side. There's points in biblical history where the scriptures were lost even. They didn't even have the book of the law. They didn't even know where it was. So Jeremiah, he yells out the elephant in the room. And he's like, uh, do you people know that there's a contract you signed? Do you understand that there's a covenant that you ended? That's the problem. That's what's gone wrong. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. He says this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant. This is the verse 32, very important. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Jeremiah is saying, you all broke. You, you wonder why this, everything's ruined? Wonder why there's no prosperity? Wonder why now you're slaves again to the Babylonians? Slaves again to the Persians? Why everything's ruined? We have no home now? Our church is destroyed? It's because there was a covenant and you all broke it. Yea, all, all the things that the Lord has commanded, we will do. And you didn't obey any of them. And now you're wondering, why did it end up like this? We can't believe it. Jeremiah's saying, you all broke that covenant. It's broken. It's crumpled up. The Mosaic covenant is broken. Even though God came through for them on their end. God delivered them many a times. God showed them mercy many a times. God gave them the promised land, just like he said. But they broke it over and over and over again. That's what the story of the Old Testament is. The breaking of the covenant that God had. Now I hope you knew that, don't forget, God is infinitely wise. He possesses all wisdom, all knowledge. God is infinite. So do you understand he's not, he's not in the future or in the past or in the present. He's everywhere all at the same time. Okay, he's infinite. So even as he was striking this contract and the people said, yes, we agree. God already knew you ain't going to keep it until the ink dries. You're going to violate it. He knew that. So, so keep that in mind. This is all part of God's ultimate salvation plan. Okay? He knows our natural inclination is to rebel against him. That's what the Old Testament is. Rebelling against God. That's what our nation's doing right now. Rebelling against God. That's what some of us in here are doing right now. Rebelling against God. Nothing more than that. No deep theology there. Rebellion against God. The Old Testament, that's what's the story of Israel rebelling against the Lord. Why? Because man is sinful. You know, you come to New Hope, any amount of time, you're going to hear that a lot. That, that we are sinful people. We are very fleshly people. It's natural to us. Breaking covenant with God is just as easy as eating a slice of pie to us humans. It is just like drinking water. You know, Psalms, actually the Old and the New Testament say the same verse says that there's none good, no, not one. We have all become filthy, the New Testament says. We've all become dirty and wretched, the Old Testament says. 
That's, it is one of the main themes of the Bible is that mankind is fallen and broken. And breaking his covenant comes easy to us. Do you now see the problem with the Mosaic covenant? We can't keep it. Mankind is too evil to keep covenant with God. We're too evil. We're too broken. We're too corrupt. We're too fleshly. God is trying. God is trying. God is reaching down to humanity saying, I, I want to be with you. I want to be with you, but I can't if you're this evil. Here, let, let's try this. And mankind with our mouths, they said way back then, thousands of years ago, they said yes with their mouths. But with their actions, they said, no, thank you, God. Nope, we don't want to. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We're going to do what we want to do. Mankind can't keep it. That, that's the problem. Therein lies the problem. That the covenant between God and man is broken. It's broken. It's violated. Jeremiah says that's why everything's ruined because it's broken. You guys broke it. God did what he said he was going to do, but mankind didn't do what they were supposed to do. The covenant between God and man is broken. Now, I don't know if you're a thinking type or an analytical type, but something tells me that, I don't know, maybe we're in need of a new covenant of some type. Amen? Remember, Jesus has been the plan of salvation all along. Actually, Peter, in the book of Peter, tells us that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So Jesus isn't a quick repair patch job to the Old Testament covenant. He's not. He was the plan from the very beginning. But I think God struck this covenant so that mankind could realize. Do you know how many people have been murdered and killed how much rape has gone on, how much bloodshed has gone on, how much corruption. We, there, I make no argument whatsoever to say that humanity is ultimately good. I, I believe in what the Bible says, that the heart of man is basically evil. It is evil. I think that's why God struck that covenant with the ancient Israelites, because the law which he gave through that covenant can only prove guilt. That's all it's good for. The law can't redeem. It can only show guilt. So there, therein lies the problem. We need a new covenant. Let's see through the words of Jeremiah. Remember this prophet who he's the one that speaks out the elephant in the room. That the old covenant's broken. The old testament's broken. And he just is like, man, ain't nobody saying it. So I'm going to say it. And he shouts it out. You guys broke it. That's why everything's ruined. Let's see if we can detect a hint of Christ. In Jeremiah's prophecy. Let's read Jeremiah 31, 31 over again. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Verse 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Could, could 
Jeremiah be talking about the New Testament. He, he talks about this new covenant. He says, behold, the days are coming where I'll make a new covenant. Could this mean the New Testament? Is he talking about the Messiah? Is he talking about Christ Jesus? Is Jesus this new covenant to, to, to make things right? Because remember, the, the bond between God and man is broken. The contract is broken. Maybe, just maybe, there's hope. When Jeremiah's prophesying, maybe he's talking about Jesus. Maybe he's talking about Christ. I mean, it's a covenant where we can be forgiven our sins. It's a covenant where God will dwell in our inward parts, it says. God will dwell inside of us. This covenant, it also says, from the greatest to the, the, greatest to the, leadest, to the least can be part of this new covenant. New Hope, that's exactly what Jeremiah is talking about. He's talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's prophesying about Jesus. We needed a new covenant because the old one's broken. We couldn't keep the old one. We need a new one. We violated the old one over and over. We couldn't keep the old covenant. We need a new covenant. Jeremiah is saying, behold, the days are coming. God's going to make a new covenant with his people. Brothers and sisters, is there anyone in here that could remotely doubt that we need a new covenant? Is there anyone in here that isn't broken in some way? That, that there's not something wrong with you in some way? There's not a one of us that something's wrong, that there's not something wrong with. Every single person in here is broken in some form or another. You don't work right in some form. Something is wrong with you. You can't be good. You are prone to these vices. You, you cannot obey the Old Testament. Now, if there's anyone that could remotely possibly doubt for a moment that we need Jesus in the New Testament, maybe someone in here is thinking, man, come on, I ain't that bad. There's, uh, there's murderers and there's rapists out there. I'm not that bad. I haven't bowed down and worshipped any golden calves like the evil ancient Israelites did. You know what? I won't argue with you. If you think you're not that bad, if, if you want to argue and say, look, I'm you can be basically evil, but I'm not basically. I am basically good. I won't argue with you. If you doubt your corrupt condition, if you doubt your need for a new covenant, if you doubt your need for a new testament through Jesus Christ, if you doubt Christianity, if you doubt the need for Jesus, if you doubt salvation through Jesus' shed blood, I'm not going to argue with you one bit. I will encourage you, just keep the Old Testament. Just keep the Old Testament. Go ahead. I, I challenge you. I encourage you with everything in me to earn heaven by obeying the laws of the old covenant. You can earn heaven if you can obey all them. You will be righteous and you will enter into heaven. So I encourage you, if you don't think you're a bad person, if you don't think you're fallen, if you don't think there is something wrong with me, I need a Savior. I need a covenant between God and man. The, the relationship is broken. If you don't think that, if you think, well, I'm not that bad, she's bad, he's bad, he's an evil person, he looks at pornography, I don't, they're bad, I'm not. If you don't think that, then I encourage you, just obey the old covenant. Obey the old covenant for the next few weeks, for the next month, for the next few months, obey every jot and tittle of the law. 
You cannot violate one little jot, one little till you must obey the law in its absolute. And you must be honest and give your 100% absolute best effort to obey the law of God. You can, listen, you can never be grumpy and say something rude to your wife. Uh-uh. You can never step on a Lego that one of your kids left out in the middle of the night. You step on it, and you kick it, and you throw something, you say something you shouldn't. You can never do that. You must always wish good things uh, to people that you don't like that much. How about this? You even got to wish good things for political candidates that you didn't vote for. You can never violate any of that. You can never have an impure thought. You can not take joy at seeing an enemy falter. While parenting teenagers, you can never lose your cool. Don't lose your cool. You can never take anything that, that does not belong to you, even if it's a pencil. Even if there's a penny laying on the ground. You can never want something that someone else has. You can never tell even the smallest lie. You must tell pure truth all the time. You can never even once express anger towards another driver. You must obey and do nothing but good all of the time. You must always be patient, always be virtuous, and always be pure, even in thought, let alone deed. I could go on, but it's actually a waste of time, isn't it? It's a waste of time. Because of trying to obey all these things, even if we just filter it down to God's moral laws of the Ten Commandments, even if we just went to those Ten Commandments, it's a waste of time. Because those things do not lead to heaven. They actually lead to frustration. And if you're honest, they lead to the realization that we need a new covenant. Because I, I, I can't. I can't. Trying to obey the Old Testament leads to the realization that we need a New Testament. You know, I, I heard it said, someone sent me this a long time ago. I should have printed it off and brought it, but I forgot. But the, the Old Testament actually predicts a man, and the New Testament presents that man. That, that's a good way to think of the Old and the New Testament, okay? So we have this Old Testament. And all these laws and all these things that God gave us that when we are measured up against them, we find we can't obey them. Now, we can all look at the Israelites and the ancient Jewish nation and go, oh, they were some bad people. Man, look at them worshiping golden calves. But those examples are in there because they're humanity just like we are. They don't have anything specially different inside of them than we today. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you're grafted into that. that. That is given to us so that we can say, you know what? We can't. There's something wrong with us. We're broken. We, we cannot obey what God wants us to obey. We need a New Testament. And that's what Jeremiah is predicting. Now, we're going to flip to the New Testament real quick. Now, I love to keep on preaching for a long time. I could, believe me. God just fills my thoughts all the time with all these things and it's funny because some people say to me, man, how can you come up there every week and have all these things? I don't know. God keeps on telling me all these things, and I can't wait every Sunday. I can't wait to come up and get all these things off my chest. Hebrews 
Now, I've, I've preached before and I've told you that Hebrews, if you don't understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, Hebrews is a very good New Testament book that mates the two together so that it is to help us understand. Now, there's argument over who wrote the, the book of Hebrews. Some think it was Apostle Paul. Others think, no, it was someone else. But whoever it was that wrote Hebrews had a humongous understanding of, of the, the Jewish nation and ancient Jewish culture. So listen to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. And remember, now this is all a culmination of everything we've heard this morning and the journey that we've been on from Old New Testament to New Testament. Hebrews 8, 7 says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Is this starting to sound familiar? This writer of Hebrews is quoting from Jeremiah, which we already read. Verse 9, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel in those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds, write them in their hearts, and I'll be to them a God, and they shall be my people. 11 says, They shall not teach every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. Verse 12 says, For I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now listen, verse 13, very important. In that he saith, a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. The, the, the Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, he's saying, hey, do you remember what Jeremiah prophesied that there would be a new covenant? This is it. It's this man Jesus. It's this, this things that he taught us. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. The Hebrews is telling us that the Old Testament is ready to vanish away because we have the New Testament now. If I can ask the band to make their way, we'll continue on as they're getting ready. Well, okay, if the Old Testament is old and ready to vanish away, and we have this New Testament, well, what did Jesus do in the New Testament? Well, Hebrews, you keep reading a chapter or so, Hebrews 10 verse 9 says this, Then said he, Lo, now this is talking about Jesus, I come to do thy will, Jesus says, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. So Jesus came and took away the first so that he could establish the second. And by the second, he's meaning the, the new covenant, the New Testament. Verse 10 says, By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That is the New Testament. That's the new covenant that we are sanctified. What's that mean? It means God has brought us unto himself through the actions of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says, And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. See, they were stuck in the old law and they were doing these things. Well, we got to do these rituals that we were taught. They were stuck in them. And the writer of Hebrews saying, They can never cleanse you from sin. They can never sanctify you because you can't keep them. You'd have to continually do that over and over. But this man, listen to what he did, verse 12. But this man, after he offered once, we're talking about Jesus now, but Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering 
he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That is the New Testament church. That is the new covenant. That if you are born again and you are saved, you are not under that Old Testament system, which you can't keep anyway. Neither could they keep it. You can't either. I can't either. That's the need for the New Testament has arisen from the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the New Testament. Amen. The atonement in His blood, what He did, it is not through our actions. The Old Testament was through our actions. You got to try to obey. You got to try to do your best. You can never do any wrong. And we couldn't do it. God gave us that because the law proves guilt. Look, you, you can only receive this this morning if you're honest with yourself. If you can look within yourself and go, you're right, we need a New Testament. And if you're not at that point yet, I challenge you to obey the Old Testament. Obey it, and in six months, come back to me and tell me how it went. You, you give me a synopsis of the last six months of your life and tell me how it went when you tried to obey the Old Testament. If you're honest, you'll come back and say, you know that day you preached on the Old Testament and the New Testament? You were right. The Bible's right. We need a new covenant because I couldn't keep the old one. I lasted a day. I lasted 20 minutes. I lasted an hour and a half. Jesus is the New Testament. Let's stand, church.